Hello, everyone. This is NFT Tales, our podcast about NFTs. My name is Jonathan Smith. And my name is Jeremy Craig. And this is our 10th episode of the podcast titled, What Goes Up Must Come Down. Tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about the current overall market for crypto and NFTs, talk a little bit about some of our favorite NFT projects, get into some of predictions that we're going to make about NFTs coming up in the future, and some other fun stuff. Ready to get into it, Jer? Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, first okay. things first. Oh, you, you go, you go. Uh, I'll, I'll let you lead this time. No, I was ready. I just said, okay, let's go. I want to hear what you got. <laughs> well, what everyone wants to talk about, Jer, is the market. And where is the market? And so, you know, as everyone knows, as we're recording this, crypto overall is down. It's going through one of them dips. Actually, not as low as it was like last year, especially for Ethereum, but it's, it's a dip, you know from where it was, all-time highs and that sort of thing. And a lot of people are kind of panicking about what that means for crypto in general and NFTs in particular. And that's kind of what's driving the narrative right now. I think one thing that we're seeing, though, and this might be some hot alpha for some of y'all. So I was looking on Twitter earlier and doing some of my own research. Even though the overall crypto market has pulled back, hence the title of the episode, Actually, the NFT market in some places is still booming. I mean, both me and you, Jeremy, have seen projects that we've sat on for a long time blow up recently or ones that were decent projects get extra air under them. I think right now Bear Area Yacht Club is close to an all-time high. I saw one tweet, and I haven't verified it yet, that Twitter might be close to an all-time high in January compared to like any month ever last year, the year of the NFTs. And so it could be that as these actual costs of NFTs are coming down because they're all, you know, in Ethereum or whatever, that people are getting into the market and that's bringing new people in. And the NFT world's actually kind of booming against that crypto backdrop. What do you think, Jer? I mean, yeah, it's kind of definitely what I've seen. You know, obviously we never try to pump bags, but, you know, a couple of the women-led projects that we were in from Crypto Chicks to Fame Ladies to Uwu Crew all had, you know, runs and are continued to have runs. They're they're still on the upswing. So that's an important point. So I'm going to take a timeout right now and just talk about something real quick. Uh, So me and Jeremy have kind of gone back and forth about this a little bit about how to talk about projects on this podcast that we personally have ownership of and quote-unquote investment in. You know, one thing, especially in light of the whole Beanie saga, people are really sensitive towards uh, anyone in the space trying to influence other people, especially right now with emotions kind of frayed, everyone's kind of concerned about, you know, dropping your bag. So let's just be clear about, you know, what we like and, and what we don't like and what we have. Uh, crypto chicks, both me and Jeremy were in on that project earlier. We got out somewhere along the up ramp. Um, there's people that really enjoy that art though. And I'm really happy for that community and the people that enjoy that art. I think it's good art. And I, and I think that's something that, uh, we can both celebrate. You mentioned Woo crew. I've had my two Woo crew for a while. We, I actually wrote a story about one of them earlier for this podcast, my little story earlier for the podcast. And that is sitting at, it's going to floor you. 0.7 right now. I know we don't talk floors, but I know that's going to floor you. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) that's incredible. Given where they've been and how long they've been in the market. So a little backstory on this one. Jeremy knows the story, but I'm just going to go ahead and like put my, you know, put everything on the table. So probably the first NFT project I really got into was this one called Wayfusion. 
that I just really like the art. Waifus are kind of like cartoon chicks are kind of like my kryptonite. And so the idea of like, oh, I don't know, I just kind of geeked out on it. And so I got into this thing and I started buying up all these and I spent a pretty good bit. And what happened was the dev team got really hassled during the launch of Way Fusion, and they had a plan, and they were going to do this Dutch auction, it was going to be all this stuff, and an influencer popped up and said, no, don't do that, do this whole other idea that I have that's better, and hey, everybody, let's make them do my idea, and so like halfway through launch, this thing got totally like just thrown off the skids, and the developers were like, you know what, y'all can just have it, forget Way Fusion, we're moving on. Well, those developers are the woo-woo crew. <laughs> developers that like they literally changed the Twitter handle. And so whenever Woo Crew came out, I went, Jeremy, ooh, look at these. And and they're not showing as much like cleavage. I can probably get away with this and calling it art. Wow, I'm so excited about this Woo Crew. So of course I jumped on it. And and but now I think it's coming up because that artist is getting notoriety for the project that you tried to mint out today. What uh so so drop a little alpha for people. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So the Uwu crew's been gaining, you know, steam and and credibility. Well, they've had it, but they've just been getting the attention that they deserve. So the the um, project that I was trying to get you in was Killer Girlfriends, and it actually minted out in like two minutes. Um, I was in there, and my transaction was in within thirty seconds, and you know, it minted out before mine could even process. So people had adjusted their gas and had paid a pretty penny for it, and I think the floor like. 10x from mint price almost like it was you know a point oh eight was point nine so point oh eight mint and it's point nine so it over 10x and I mean it the first one on the market was point five the art's great you know I don't think it's an uwu project but I know maybe they're advising for it and you know what it kind of is one of the points I think we're going to see the common theme of this segment is that you follow teams that you know we're going to put in the work and that are good and that that uwu team is is good yeah i mean they're they're really good as far as not only like good art but they know the space they know how to build a community and they're getting that payoff now and i think it that's what you want to see right now you're seeing all these uh people that kind of got their chops last year kind of you know had some rough spells kind of survived the wave and they're coming back and now they have credibility they can point to that last project they can use that last project as a whitelist and that allows them to have that springboard into the next generation. I guess that's the other thing we need to talk about. So the markets are up and down, even though we think we, we we're seeing that overall NFTs are up. But one thing that is kind of down is everyone seems down on the whole whitelist circus. So you you get into that more than me, Jeremy. But give us give everyone the backstory. So yeah, it, you know originally like the crypto dads whitelist was grind and if you you know spend enough time in the discord you got to i think a level 10 and then you got a whitelist and early on when there was only you know one or two projects a week that was fine because you could bounce around from room to room but now they want you to invite 100 people give them a dna sample and you know have memes that you make and all sorts of other things and people are just you know getting frustrated at being told they have to work uh, for the opportunity to make a purchase of someone's, you know, project or collection. Well, it's not even that. It's not really work as much as it's just grinding out, like, the, the lingo of the community, the GMs, the friends, and all that over and over and over to hit the minimum word count or whatever. And people that are doing their trying to make art and all that, but, you know, oops, sorry, you still don't have a slot. But, ooh, influencer, okay, make sure he gets in on the list or whatever, right? Like, it's definitely, I call it the whitelist industrial complex, 
And it's definitely a problem. And the pro and the reason why it's happening is because people are looking, everyone can now, there's so many people in the market that kind of feel like they're smart. <laughs> not mm-hmm. that, not that me and Jeremy are mean from that too. We, you know, we make a buck and we both think we're geniuses or whatever. Right. But so many people made so much money last year, especially we all feel like we're like art critics and we can all like, we all, we look at something and we go, Oh, this is going to be successful. So we all jump on that thing. And sometimes just the, the critical mass momentum can make it so that these projects out the gate are worth almost like an ETH or something like that, just because so many people want to be a part of it. And, you know, I think in some level it's, that's disappointing because more, the more projects that are like that, the more that it's going to be hard for the average person to get in on the game. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be the rich getting richer and you need to bury area yacht club to get a whitelist to any of the other next good NFTs, then you'd be screwed. But, you know, I don't think it's actually so bad. I think that I've already seen in situations, some other projects that were kind of unheralded did not get the same amount of hype that blew up in a, in a small amount of time. Like I'm thinking about the Monaverse, the Monaverse. I remember people like were, didn't want to do anything with those whitelist spots whenever they're getting passed around. And then the day uh, that the mint happened, I saw Monaverses go from like 0.4 to over an ETH, like boom, it's like a rocket that day. Like you could have bought one that day. Like if you had a you know, decent bag, you could have bought one that day, right? Like what impossible off the gate, you know? And that's something that's an example of success. Another one I remember is a couple months ago, I remember almost getting a crypto cove. And even though really none of it appealed to me, I'm not saying that the art's bad or anything. Like I think it's actually really good art. I think it's a really good community. It's just like, obviously who they're targeting. It's not, it's not my thing. Right. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, my wife hadn't really gotten NFTs. So I didn't have like an obvious, like, uh, my, my sister prefers my, whatever. And so I didn't have an obvious in. So I was like, yeah, hey, you know, whatever. And now things like almost two ETH. Right. Like, so there's opportunities out there just waiting in your DMS for those that have a plan and are moving forward. And some of this whitelist stuff, I mean, it has this crazy whitelist and then it has reveal and then it comes crashing back to the earth. I mean, like a Mecca or something like that it was like three or something right after thing. And now it's underneath. Right. I mean, that's not, that's bad or something, but you know, it, that's definitely not where the hype said it was going to be the next blue chip or whatever. So don't listen to what someone else says. The next blue chip, be thinking about your own thing, be looking for your own alpha, be, have a plan and stick to it in 2022. That's what you need to do. You need to have a plan. You need to stick to it. And then as long as you're sticking to the plan, I think you should be okay. Right, Jeremy? I mean, that that's kind of probably what most people need to do, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it can be a, a market where you're pulled in many directions. So if you don't have a plan, you can deviate just a little bit and that takes you way off course. So definitely. I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, before we get into some more news and all that, me and Jeremy are going to talk about our plans for 2022. Get some alpha straight from the source, all right? I'll talk to you in a second. All right, Jeremy, another one to hear from you more than me. You, you do the more fun stuff. You're in the Top Shots world. We always we know that that was like the most listened to episode. Hey, hey, hey Top Shot people, hey, baller people. So what is your plan, Mr. Top Shot Whale, for 2022? What are you executing on? So I'm going to take it, you know, one linear deviation farther backwards and say it's more like the flow community because um, all of those are flow projects. So that, that's really what I'm going to do is stay in the flow community, um, whether it's NBA Top Shot, NFL All Day, um, UFC Strike Force, you know, it, Flow Vitars, Flunks, Goated Goats, uh, Pie Land, Goobs. I, I've got, 
you know, six flow projects right now. Um, side note, I know someone scooped all the, the flow floor, um, for the flow guitars. And so those sparks went up to like 18 flow, um, which is like a six X from what it used to be. So they're definitely, um, you know, putting some attention to that, but yeah, you got to go to other markets, other things that, you know, are, are not quite, they're a little more inelastic, um, to the, to the change in demand and, and the markets. Well, it's, it's almost like something like a Top Shots exists in its own world, right? Or like I look at ballers, it doesn't seem like it's so determined on where like the open sea market's going up and down is what the baller or the Top Shots doing, right? Like there's its own world around the challenges and what's happening in the NBA. And that's something beyond the crypto space, the NFT space, right? Exactly. You, you've got some of the fan base to it. And so it's a lot easier to get some of that playability in it. Um you know me and those flash challenges. I just completed one before we got onto this tonight. So um, that's actually one of the things that I think Dapper and and you know Flow and Top Shot do pretty well is they change the flash challenges up on a regular basis. So you know one of the most recent ones was the top scoring or or the top statistical bench players. So it's not just about star players. It's about that obscure player that came in because six people are out from the game tonight and they had a limited roster. Okay, and you, you, let, let's get a little more, let's sharpen the pencil a little bit, though, Jerry, because I know for a fact that you have been running around in top shot lands with very little liquidity just because of where we are in the point of the year, and you are still been making flips and doing deals. So give some people some concrete advice. What's your concrete advice to people out there that are going to try to be playing around the next month or so? Let's see. So right now, it's all about flash challenges. That That's really where most of my liquidity comes from. I, I hold on to one moment that I know has a higher value than two or three of the floor flash challenge cards. Um, for instance, this past week, there was a week-long challenge or a weekend-long challenge, and um, any top scores from the games had to be used. Um, and there were three players that were top scores twice. So people had to have two of every one of those cards. Um you know, and DeMar DeRozan was, was not a very common card. So I had four of those and was able to flip two of those. And I think I seven X to the two that I had um, from an archive and just a base set. So it, you got to get the 12 and 15 and, and 35,000 series too. But if you're new, then you just got to start stacking S threes, um, buy as many, you know, series three packs as you can, and just start trying to fill out your S three team sets. So there you go. Get your packs, getting those, getting those cues. We know that it's a pain. I'm getting them too. Like we are, that's, that's the advice right there. Jeremy's built his empire on pulling from packs, not from market flipping. And so that's where you want to be if you want to get that, the good stuff, right? I'm still trading in duplicates as we speak for locker room packs. So I've gotten four locker room packs in the past two days where I traded in duplicates of series three, 60,000 print cards. And the first two, packs that I got had 40,000 print series two moments. And, you know, I've completed the base set series two. So those were all 36 point, um, collector score cards for me. So, so there you go. There, that there's some, there's some good stuff straight, uh, straight from you on the top shot side. So let's talk about a lot of y'all are going to be more like me. You're not doing the top shots. You're doing open sea flipping or investing. I'm using air quotes over here because I sometimes get really skeptical about how some of us NFT people Look at us as like these uh, financial mavens or whatever. We're art collectors more than anything, right? And right. We, let me give you all some of the advice of what at least I'm targeting in the next short term. Some because uh, some John Alpha. So for me personally, I am. I really think that that little point about how high Bay Area Yacht Clubs is right now is a bit of a smoking gun. 
I think that we've not seen peak ape just yet. Not just yet. I'm thinking around the Super Bowl, whenever the halftime show's got like four famous 90s rappers that think all that Bay Area Yacht Clubs are equivalent NFTs or something like that, including Snoop Dogg, who's like king NFTs. I think that people are going to build it up in their head to kind of be like the whole Elon being on Saturday Night Live Dogecoin Wario thing. And remember how that ended up being a bust. But remember the run up to it, Dogecoin never saw anything better than that. And so I think there's going to be a run up to the Super Bowl or whatever the ape peak is if it's not the Super Bowl. And I think, honestly, right now the money to be made is probably, I hate to say it, in like ape derivatives. If, you don't, if you're not can't afford a Bay Area Yacht Club to take it that extra 20 ETH or whatever it's about to go, then try to get a good derivative or maybe a couple of them. That's what I'm actually doing. I'm kind of rolling the dice with a couple ape derivatives, hoping to get just one of them to 2x, 3x, 4x, whatever, some liquidity later in the year. With that said... I wouldn't want to sit on any of them. And I'm sorry for y'all that are lo- in love. I'm not, I'm not even going to name names because I hate to bash on people's favorite projects. But, you know, one thing that I see kind of go around a lot in the crypto world is we all know in the long run that most of these projects are not going to have a lot of value long time out. And if you are a long-term investor, if you're not just looking to flip and get your money and walk away this year, a lot of y'all are, and then go go flip apes. That's my advice to you. But if your advice is to be in this market for a while, you've been in crypto for a while, you want to be in NFTs for a while, you found your place, you want that, you want to have something to sit on, then I think this market is a perfect time to come back around to some historical NFTs. Basically, I'm flipping ape copies to go buy curio cards or whatever. You know, like the fact that a curio card, which is the first NFT ever minted on Ethereum, and there's only something like 25,000 of them. So like two 10K mints and you can have them all, whatever, right? Is only at like 0.6 or less. It's just crazy to me. It's just crazy. You want to, because everyone talks about you, any of these smart people in the space talking here as they go, well, you know, in five years, 99% of the projects won't make. And those people are right. I'm not saying that that's bad advice. But what everyone does is they go, oh, but my cool ape toad or whatever is going to make it, right? Like, it's like, no, we all know the derivatives are going to be the thing that are going to fall. Some of the really, really cool ones will stick up there with the original, you know, like the mutant, whatever. But like, I I really don't, I hate to tell you, if you're getting a thing that's like a a cool punk or whatever, it's not going to make it. But years from now, 2016 projects, 2017 projects, 2018 projects, you can't go back in time. You can't go mint a 2017 project again, right? So I think any of those projects from that timeline, including, yes, Mooncats, and I do have a bag, we're being transparent. I have a, like a handful of Mooncats, and so that is one thing that, I am in, that I'm a big fan of. But I mean, look at those in investments. Those are things that I, I really want for the historical value, for the long-term value. So if you're looking in the long-term, look at projects that have already established themselves historically, and then look for some good deals. I've been able to get a hundred series rare Pepe's. So, you know, the rare Pepe's, I told you about this, Jeremy. So let me tell you about everyone else about this. So prior to Ethereum NFTs, there were NFTs that were on basically like a side chain. This is where I don't, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I haven't done all the research on the technology because the Pepe thing now exists in its own little universe. So it's called Rare Pepe. I know mm-hmm. any of y'all that got caught, caught up in the political whatever of 2016, you're going, oh no, Pepe. And you're like, but actually it wasn't like that. It was more like the original meme prior to turning into that and all these artists kind of extending out the meme. Now, some of it ended up being the bad stuff, but they made all these cards for all these different artists. The artists got compensated for it. Some of these are really cool. 
some of them they made like millions of the card and they're useless. But some of these, like they had 32 series, and within those series, like maybe like like your top shots, you know, different series. And within those, probably each series had about 800 pack mints. So you just do the math on that. There's not many of these things, these hundred packs. And I'm finding them, some of them go way above and eat and all that, but if like people know about them, but some of them are like less than 0.2, less than 0.3. And they're like the first NFT ever. I'm getting things that are from 2017 for as much as like an eight punk, you know, rip off, flip around or whatever. And so if you're looking for the long term, if you are not going to be a day trader and you want something sticking the wallet that if you just forget about it and come back a year from now, almost like a Bitcoin or something, and you want it to be worth more, you know, or well, Bitcoin was a couple of years ago, not now. <laughs> yeah. Then, then look at those historical projects. I, I'm going to recommend the Curio cards. Those are lock loaded, ready to go. I'm going to recommend take a look at Rare Pepe's. It's kind of a pain to do all the swapping to get the coins, but some people have wrapped them and put them on Ethereum via what's called Ethereum Vault. Let's take a look at those. Uh, me and Jeremy already talked about puny codes. Me and him are like the puny code guys. Those are actually flipping around right now, so we'll see about that. We both talked about it. I went for like, went for like 10 ETH, Jeremy. Me and him have been Yeah, I was going to say, that. not just flipping. It was a 10 ETH flip. <laughs> and so th- th- there, there's a lot out there that is not at that level, though, that's still affordable. I think this is the last chance a lot of people are going to have to get affordable curio cards and things like that or moon cats and things like that. Like, I really think... Once this market gets a little bit more institutionalized and once the NFT market gets a little bit more mature, people are going to pivot and they're going to look at where the rarity is. And the rarity is going to be going back in time because there's only something like in the 2017, something like 40,000 cards total or whatever. Right. Like, and so you compare that to one Top Shot card (laughs) from Series 3 and you're just rolling it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it even goes down from there. I was looking. So uh, the on the puny codes, the ones that are like emoji puny codes are like 600 of them, period. Like you, you go further back in time, there's less and less and less and less of these things. And so go take a look rare pepes and you might find some things that are you find affordable don't don't be looking at john oh no it didn't go up in a month and i can't flip it i'm talking this is like you put it in that cold storage you forget about it uh you know i think that that's where the value is going to be so that's jonathan's alpha right there um let's go ahead and take a break real quick and then we're going to come back and we'll finish off the show i guess i guess no story today i'm sorry everyone we've been talking so much and i have time my stories uh, some of y'all actually have been complimenting that because you didn't like my stories, but that's okay. Won't hurt my feelings. We'll, we'll, they'll be back eventually. Don't you worry. There'll be stories, but not not this time. Me and Jeremy got more to talk about. We'll be back in just a second. All right, ready? Okay, Jeremy, I was reading a couple of the current events. So basically, we're going to finish out this whole episode in current events, like a real podcast. So one thing that came up in the last week, that's probably the biggest news to happen in NFTs since this whole thing started, at least since we started the podcast, was Twitter verification, right? Oh, yeah. Hexagons. The hexagon. So you beat me to it. Um, You got verified first. Um, uh, Talk a little bit about what that process is and for people that don't know what that essentially means so obviously everybody's been wanting that social media presence verification for a while that way the right click savers could have an aneurysm but it it involves you know twitter blue um, which is like their 2.99 paid per month service and then you edit your profile and now it brings up a toggle menu to either 
uh, add a photo from your phone or add an NFT. And then if you add an NFT, it does a Web3 connect to a MetaMask or Wallet Connect and allows you to pick um, an NFT from the wallet you connect to it. So I was able to pick. That was my only downfall is I have some of my preferred NFTs in a cold storage and, and I didn't link that one yet. Yeah, that's one thing about it is you have to like jump to these hoops. I had to uh, give up my treasure love and get a, a a Ledger Nano finally just to do the sync to my phone. So that way I could finally have a hexagon for my Mooncat that I bought like a year ago now, like just to do this one day on. So I'm um, mm-hmm. probably going to have a pretty good review on one of these future episodes about treasure versus ledgers, by the way, now that I have a good feeling on both of them. Um, but for me, yeah, you this left was... me behind in the treasure world. Well, no, I didn't leave anyone behind. I'd still sneak peek on that episode one day. I kind of still like the treasure more, but that's okay. We can we can save that that fun nice. stuff for a future one. Uh, there's some upsides, especially that Nano X with the way it syncs with an iPhone. That's kind of cool. But there, there's some back and forth. We can get into that later. But for now, what I do want to talk about is just how exciting I've seen so many people get about being able to actually show their art. So many people that like I kind of got caught red-handed that was trying to boost their Twitter profile on a barrier yacht club they didn't actually own or whatever mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how people that are not so one thing that I'm kind of excited about as the eth maxi of it all is that Twitter verified eth nfts and look I feel for y'all you float look I got a baller I got ADA nfts you know Jeremy's got soul NFTs. Like we've got other mm-hmm. NFTs <laughs> that I spit you just on the ground. Had to bring that up, didn't you? I, yeah. And I, wait, did I spit on the ground? I didn't mean to spit on the ground. But no, no, no. But seriously, like we have NFTs in other blockchains, and so I'm not rooting against. Like I want everyone to be verified. I want everyone to get the hexagon. You know, ballers deserve a hexagon. But at the same time, it does show that the primacy in this market is going to be with ETH. Even as all this goes down, what's going to ha- what happened the last crypto winners is basically everything fell off that wasn't the prime like the prime platform. Now, for your favorite one flow, that's not falling off anytime soon. Dapper Labs just got injected with like $8 billion or something like that. And even though they claim, I looked on the website for Flow, and they claim to run only a third of the Flow blockchain. But let's just be honest. Before they let that thing collapse, they'd run 100% of the Flow blockchain. They'd be go buying Amazon racks or whatever to keep Flow going. So don't worry about Flow. Um, but it's not, it is nice to see that ETH kind of gets to stay in the sun that it got mm-hmm. recognized as the NFT standard by a big thing. You know, for the longest time, I've been telling people that one day Twitter's going to verify. Well, what's the utility of NFT? What's the point of NFTs? It's because one day Twitter's going to verify it, and that'll be the hood emblem, you boomers of the 21st century. Y'all bought Mercedes just to show off to your friends with the hood emblem. Well, we'll buy NFTs to show off to our friends on Twitter. And, you know, anyone who's our age, me and Jeremy, we're 40-year-olds, so everyone thinks that all our peers think that idea is crazy. But all you 20-somethings out there, listen to it. We love y'all, and we get it. Y'all live online. Y'all terminate online, just like me and him. And your your peeps, the the people you love are online. People you want to impress are online. You experience them through Twitter. It's not the, the family that you you can't stand around Thanksgiving or whatever, right? And you want to show off to them and you want to show them the project you support and the art you support and the people you support and the communities you're a part of and the hexagon allows you to get there. And that's just a really exciting thing. Even if Elon Musk doesn't think so, even though that dumbass spends millions to make Dogecoins spend on the Tesla site, right? Like the guy gets the power of memes. 
And and then wants to criticize everyone else. Talk talk about throwing uh, uh, stones with a glass house, but whatever, right? Like, oh yeah, I mean, it, I don't like throwing rocks, but it's like Gary V putting MC in a tweet instead of Mooncats when he's nowhere near to 160 characters. It's like, bro, just say Mooncats. Why'd you abbreviate it? Okay, I have a theory on that. He know, look, he knows what a Mooncat is. It's just yes. he probably very early was like, these are ugly. But look, it's one of the things. And look, it's this. And look, one of the first on the chain. He goes, look, I don't care if it will put on, on right in front of me like and clean my house. But no, the answer is no. I said it was stupid. I'm not going to be on the great Gary Vee. I'm not going to. I get it. Like everyone has egos. I get it. I wouldn't want to walk away either. Um, but I, I, I do think for a lot of people, this is going to be a very exciting year of new people getting onboarded in NFTs, new people that are going to be part of this NFT world. There's someone right now, maybe that's listening to this podcast like weeks from now. And, you know, you just bought your first NFT. Welcome to the club. We're happy to have you because it's all about this getting bigger, people wanting to be part of that community. And that's what I think the Hexagon allows us to do is find other people who want to be part of this. You know, one thing that we have to come around to, one thing I want to talk about is that here we are, you know, after the year of NFTs, and I can't tell you how many articles I find on the internet that are basically like, let's dunk on NFTs. You know, like I found an article in The Guardian where this this rugby player is going to get an NFT, and the the whole article is about how, I don't know if you want to be an NFT, but a lot of people hate NFTs, you know? Yeah. What, what kind of backlash have you seen out there, Jerry? I mean, obviously, we've seen the the gamer backlash because they're just, for the most part, anti-NFTs. Um, I actually was going to bring up a, a flip side to it. I mean, I, I think, what's her name? Paris Hilton uh, bought the domain name, or but the ENS, ParisHilton.eth, and is now the number one followed um, ENS domain. But she's on Jimmy Fallon tonight, and they're talking about, you know, Bay Area Yacht Club again. You know what? The, that's That's part of the problem is that mm-hmm. NFTs have become mainstream and some people all over the place can't stand it. I mean, I, um, I've got, okay, again, being transparent bag, I do have an eight, nine, 1989 sister. I think it's great artwork. Um, but Re- uh, Reese Witherspoon has one. It's her Twitter mm-hmm. profile avatar for crying out loud. You know, my, my wife just watched that show or whatever on Apple Plus with her. That's like her favorite show right now, the morning show or whatever, like on TV. Um, and mm-hmm. so, I mean, it, it's hit that critical mass. And so you're just seeing hate come out from all over the place. I, I even go on like the Ethereum subreddit on, on Reddit. So these are Ethereum folks. You think they like NFTs? These people spending money on the network and all that. They think it's dumb. They're sitting there going, the NFTs, the biggest waste of our calculations or whatever. It's like, buddy, you're spending the coin just fine, right? You know, but everyone wants to dunk on NFTs. There's a lot of negativity around NFTs. And so let's just say one thing. Anyone who's out there trying to defend NFTs gets one of these things. We're having fun, period. We're not hurting anyone. There's plenty of people getting help in the NFT space. Yeah, sure, people getting rugged. But if those you know, people can go out to the gun range and go unload tank cannons at the gun range for fun and those things are designed to shoot people and all that i mean i'm not even anti-gun i'm just saying like the comparison like there's so much stuff we allow people to do just because it's fun that is not safe does not always work out for folks you know what i'm saying like um i i would say it's fun to get online and interact with people who like nfts and are part of that community and that's all you need to say that's all the justification needs to happen we don't need to get into that more than that but if you want to Ask them what they do for fun. And they're going to tell you like, oh, I collect cars, you know? Well, great. Where do you put those cars? And how much does that cost in you? How much does it take to maintain it? 
what's going to happen whenever you die? Are your kids going to have? No. Oh, they don't care about cars? Oh, that's interesting here. Yeah. No one does under the age of whatever, right? You know, like there's this whole community of people that want to crap on NFTs, but their little hobby is, you know, just as fragile, can consume just as many resources of the whole environmentalism thing. And, you know, no, they, they'd be so offended if someone criticized their fun. I think gamers, unfortunately, you brought it up. And let's go ahead and let's go ahead and end on this piece. Gamers, I think, are probably the, the target audience. So I saw this article that I thought was very interesting from Kotaku. Kotaku hates NFTs, hates NFTs with like an absolute passion. It calls it in the article a brain worm driven craze for all things blockchain. Okay. Um, it, it says that it is a fresh hell of dollar chasing uh, executives is what it, they consider NFTs to be. Because a lot of people in the non-NFT space think that all we ever do all day is like launder money and like, you know, I don't even know. I was going to say, I like that they consider me an executive. I'm like, I'm <laughs> going to call myself the executive <laughs> nft Hey, You are the executive of Mr. Jerkdake.eth as far as I'm concerned, right? CEO and master of the, the universe. But anyway, in this a survey, so they did a survey of all these game developers and asked them what if they're interested in NFTs. And of the game developers that they've contacted, 72% are not interested. No, 70, I'm sorry. 70% are not interested in NFTs. 21% are somewhat interested, 7% are very interested. So you've got about 30% that are interested, somewhat, or more. Mm -hmm. And then 70% that are like, nah, I want anything to do with it. And I bet you that probably lines up about where you're seeing people in the gaming market. I mean, in the gaming market, there are some people, like, I consider myself going a gamer, and I like NFTs. But I, a lot of the gaming audience, more than half of it, probably 70% or greater, are very hostile towards NFTs. And some, some of the quotes, some choice quotes here, is how this is just a pyramid scheme, that it's going to drive a wedge in the heart of the gaming industry, um, that no one really needs it, and it's a very small audience that's used for money laundering uh, via non-sustainable energy. So these are the arguments that we keep hearing come up again and again and again. But these are coming from game developers, people that have the research in front of them, see billions of dollars being dumped into this market, see projects willing to throw money at game developers just for legitimacy and are still saying, nope, no, thank you. So there's a big disconnect here. So I do want to criticize one type of project that I see all the time, and that's the project that's offering like a game or the whole thing is that we're going to build a game. I have a developer and I'm going to hire to get a game. And then they crank out some game that's like crappier than like anything that uh, Apple would allow in their Apple Arcade or something like that. Right. Like the yeah. reason why is because the real game developers, 70 percent of them don't want to touch us, have nothing to do with us. And I know if you're like 20 something and you like NFTs and you happen to like games because you're in the demographic, that's often sad that you just want to put it all together. Blunt smoking, NFTs, gaming, you know whatever it's like you know was made in heaven <laughs> yeah right like pour one out like you just want all your favorite stuff together why are they making it so hard well because it's not everyone who's not part of that club is very negative towards nfts and i think there's a reason why in the gaming community i think the problem with the gaming community is is that they're too they've been rode too hard for too long over companies offering to extend the game 
better. And it just ended up being microtransactions that made too many games pay to win, that made too many experiences get gated away from them, right? They're not going to, they know, and they're not seeing from the initial NFT offerings anything that gives them real utility. Like, allow me to go sell my PS5 game to someone else because I own the non-fungible token in my digital Switch or PS5 game, so I can go resell it or something. Like, that would be an NFT that they'd get in on. But right. they know from experience that gaming companies won't sign off on anything that makes their position any worse. They'll only get sign off for things that just make them more money for no risk or no headache. And they don't want anything to do with it. And I don't really blame them, given the history of how I got there. Add in the fact that GPUs eat up all are eaten up by crypto and they make some hate crypto. And, you know, they personally didn't own a Bitcoin, but they're, maybe their friend in college did. And they hate that guy. He's so successful. A little bit of green eyed envy or whatever of the crypt bros and how well they've done on that sort of thing. And I think you mix it all together and there ends up being this negativity that doesn't actually get to what people are wanting out of that, which just can connect two things they love, right, Jeremy? And I feel bad for all the people buying NFTs that are promising, like, game development and all that. Like, don't do it. Please don't buy an NFT because it promises a game. If you like the game that they already developed, do it. But don't do it because you promised a game. I mean, you, you, you got into this almost from a gaming aspect, right? From NBA 2K to Top Shots. What's your opinion on that, Jeremy? Oh, yeah, you definitely are not going to get in and, and get the same kind of game ability. I mean, I've played some of the Pixelverse and other thing games, and I, I've stated to you, it's it's if you like playing the mindless computer and, and cell phone games, then it, it's a decent game. But otherwise, it, it's not something that, you know, we're ever going to do. But, you know, it, it almost brings us back to the title of the episode of what goes up must come down, right? It, these gaming industries and, and people that don't like NFTs, in my opinion, are the the ball that's gone up and they want their trajectory to stay going up and they, they don't want to admit that their trajectory is changing and they're about to come onto the down swing because it is changing and NFTs are the wave of the future. Whether people don't like it or not, they're always going to be a little reluctant to change. I, I think that's that. I think people, you know, there's just this hesitation to admit that, yes, we want scarcity. Yes, we want a hood ornament on our Twitter feed. And yes, that's stupid. And yes, we should be aspire to better, but we're humans. And the moment that you're sitting there and you're pretending like you're better than us all, because I don't believe having a link on some blockchain makes me, but people having fun doing it. Why can't you let people have their fun? You know, um, yeah. I will say just to kind of end on this segment, I guess the episode is that where I really want to see this go, because we're talking about the very early pr predictions for this year. One thing I can see happening. And I think kind of being to cross the gap here between, you know, where gaming is and where game developers are is what I could see projects doing is grafting on to game ecosystems that already exist that maybe are moddable, maybe are extendable, and then just adding that PD earn element in those games. Like, I don't own any, but I was looking yesterday at Blockverse. I have done no research on it beyond just, like, the description on the thing. I don't play Minecraft. I'm it, it, There's nothing that makes me feel 40 years old faster than I'm getting on a Minecraft server or something. Like, it's just not our generation. It's not me and Joe. We're Mario folks and nes mario folks but i read the golden description eye. golden eye okay golden eye mario 64 we're old okay but i read the description and it talks about playing people to play on what i assume is mine uh modded minecraft that's brilliant because people already like minecraft you don't have to build a game with like game metrics and like playability it's just sitting there 
just add crypto to it, you know? Like, someone needs to go back and add crypto to Counter-Strike. Someone needs to go back and add crypto to all these old games, especially ones that can maybe run on old machines and stuff like that, that, that are still viable, still have audiences, but, you know, like the AAA markets walked away from them. Um, the Quake 2 just had freaking ray tracing added to it. Go back and grab Quake 3 or something, turn that into the blockchain game. Don't start from scratch and make another mobile game, please. I beg y'all, please. It's going to suck. It's just going to suck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like you you build the thing and then you build the game. It's going to suck. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear about, you know, like your dreams and aspirations on a roadmap or something like that. Like, so we're being a little bit negative. We can get away from that. But, you know, part of the reason why I brought this up. So that that article in Kotaku, that directly goes against a kind of informal Twitter survey I saw that I sent over to you. So um, someone on Twitter, his name is at Chad's GX. So calls himself Chad. How can you not believe it, Chad, right? He said that he's talked to hundreds of people in the crypto space over the last three weeks and asked them what they think the big thing is going to be for this year. He said that half of them think the big thing this year, about 40, 50% is going to be DAOs. Um, and especially talked about how the Constitution DAO was kind of like a mainstream accessible DAO. Um, I don't know about that, Jeremy. I know you had some experience uh, with DAOs last year, and yeah, I'm kind of in the same place. Actually, the news around the Constitution DAO was just a lot of negativity for Ethereum, people bitching about how much the gas fees cost to get out of it at the end. So I don't know about this to be turned into a mainstream thing, but we could see. I could be wrong. I'm kind of DAO pessimist, so I'll leave that one alone. But then the next thing is, is 20% of people think it's going to be gaming. So that's this audience. That's these audience of people like, if I can just build a game and I already have my NFT, it's going to blow up. Like, the, the, so there's like 70% of the market here already being accounted for. And what's the rest? Well, there's 10% of people that think that now photos and music are going to be the next thing on NFTs. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that's such a corporate domain world. It's almost like gaming. Like, do you have like four record companies? When are they going to put their stuff on NFTs? Never. So none of the stuff anyone really cares about being NFTs. I mean, I know you're artists out there and y'all doing what y'all can. And I'm, and I'm not disparaging y'all. If you're an independent artist, you're doing one of one paintings and you're getting, go do it. I'd be doing it on Ethereum right now. I'd be doing it on the blockchain right now. But you're innovating. You're, you're, it's not going to be a mainstream thing. We're not going to be trading Snoop Dogg NFTs on Ethereum or something, or maybe him, but no one else or whatever, right? Like, I just don't see that being a thing. Then 10% of the people are pointing to L2s and roll-ups. I actually think that's the answer to the question. So I'm agreeing with 10% of the people in this informal survey. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'll be excited to talk about that in future episodes. But I think the next thing will be L2s. I think having Layer 2, especially ones that can mint NFTs and bring a lot of that traffic off of main Ethereum and be cheaper cost, basically, for people to trade them, will give us a secondary NFT boom. And I'm really excited to see that. And then finally, 10% of people think that it's just going to be what we're doing now. And that other L1s will pop up, a.k.a. Soul, a.k.a. Flow. And and that'll be the, the story of this year will be kind of these, like, other coins eating up Ethereum's dominance. Um, I, you heard my prediction. I You know, I think it's really going to be moving in the direction of where it, it's all about that the roll-ups and the L2s. And we could talk about L2s and all that maybe in a future episode. What do you think it's going to be, Jeremy? What, what's your prediction for the for the year? Well, I'm going to be a bandwagon fan and pretty much say the same thing. I'm going to take a little bit of the 20% of gaming and then the 10% of the roll-ups and L2s. I mean, the, the book games by Gary V are on IMX, and PX Quest is distributing their pets. So I'm getting my Llamaverse pet and, and I think one other one, and it's it's all coming through Immutable X. So 
you know, part of that, you know, crossover of gaming and secondary chains that that allow some of the processes to be taken off of Ethereum and, and done on a side chain. I think that's really going to be what's important going forward in this new year. So me and Jeremy agree. Be looking for your side chains, looking for your layer twos. Uh, get your polygons, get your Matic ready, because that's what's going to blow up this year. Um, yep. So uh, we've talked way too long for this episode. Sorry, guys. We usually try to keep around 30 minutes. We're a little longer here today. So let's go ahead and wrap up, Jared. We'll be back in just a second. We'll wrap up the episode. All right, Jeremy, that was a lot of fun today. Uh, uh, thank you all very much for joining us. Uh, we've been getting some great feedback, and we'd love for you all to give us some more feedback. Shout out us on Twitter. Leave a review on Apple uh, Podcasts. You, I can't tell you what that does for us whenever you all leave reviews. We really appreciate that. You can find me at Poofy Hair Guy. At Mr. Jerk Dake. Or at NFT Tales Podcast. We'll be talking to you next week.